from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. For the second consecutive day, we find ourselves asking, what does a star player in the NBA truly want? Yesterday, we had the opportunity to ask Chris Paul that question directly on this show. Today, we react to Damian Lillard answering the same sort of legacy question much differently. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. In an interview with USA Today, Damian Lillard was clear, quote, I think it's very important when you talk about how other people view me. Of course, People are going to say you don't have a ring. You see how people talk to Charles Barkley, and he's Charles Barkley. He was a great player. Of course, it's at the top of the list for me to win a championship. I don't train and come into seasons thinking about anything more than wanting to win it this year. Personally, I know my body of work speaks for itself. I haven't won a championship, but I've won a lot of games. He goes on at the end of his statement to say a championship would mean a lot to me, but in my personal opinion, if I don't win it, it's not the end-all, be-all to me. I I wouldn't be happy with it. But I think when you talk about other people's perception, I think it's extremely important to my legacy. It's extremely important to me. But my opinion of me not winning wouldn't be the same as others. And unfortunately, Harry, let me just be clear. He's right. Like, I I think it's asinine. But at some point, when his chapter in the NBA is done, for all of the great, for all the times that we stood around, for the playoff games, the people on this campus sat there yelling at their TV because Dane was hitting every shot we'd ever seen anybody ever hit. These memorable NBA moments. The yeah, but that some jerk in the back of the room the whole time is going to say is, yeah, but he never won a championship, and that's going to be held against him by a bunch of people sitting in front of a microphone. He's right. It may not matter that way to him, but it will change the way people see him, right or wrong. Well, that's how our world works, Fitz. And you look at players who played at a very, very high level in the NBA and didn't win a ring. You talk about Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, Carl Malone, Stockton, Ewan, uh, Allen Iverson, Dominique Wilkins, all these guys, and they did not win a ring. But I think one thing about a few of those guys is that one guy, the greatest of all time, but Michael Jordan stopped all, just about all of them, from winning the ring. Uh, When you look at Damian Lillard, I think sometimes you have to – you know, bring in context when it comes to that conversation. And I personally feel like Damian Lillard, while he's been in Portland, hasn't had a running mate to get him, help him uh, get to a NBA championship and compete for one. I love CJ McCollum works for us. He's a colleague, does a phenomenal job also outside of basketball when he's on with us. Uh, I just don't think he was the Batman to Dame's, um, the Robin to Dame's Batman to help get them over the top. Also, Nurkic is a guy that doesn't play defense, right? He has a ton of offensive skill, but he doesn't play defense. So when you look at it in context uh, from that lens, you would understand a lot more about Dame and why he hasn't been able to compete for a championship in Portland on top of a dynasty that 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 stood in his way as well from the Golden State Warriors. So it's a lot of context around these conversations with people who didn't win a ring that you can actually throw into those conversations. Well, and the context continues now with what should happen tomorrow with the NBA draft. I mean, it is super simple for everybody to sit here and say, well, go out and get a star. Okay. 
I mean, what star are you going to get that's going to make you better than Denver in the West? And then if you're sitting at the top of the draft and you're Portland, you are sitting in the three spot. There are three considered can't-miss prospects in this draft. In fact, we had Tim Legler on this show just a half an hour ago, and our great ESPN NBA analyst said this about the massive issue facing the Trailblazers tomorrow night with the NBA draft. Look, I think the top three guys are all can't-miss. Weminyama, Miller... Um, Scoot Henderson, uh, you know, I think Scoot Henderson can be really special. And you just look, rarely have you ever seen a guard with this kind of explosive ability that also has the kind of shooting range that he has to go with it. And this is a rare combination. So I think even if it's him at three, uh, he's the, he'd be the best player available at that pick. You're still talking about a guy that's going to have to have a learning curve of what it takes to win at this level and play against this level competition every night and be efficient. And that, that could take several years. So here's the dilemma that the Portland Trailblazers are in. When you hear Legs talk about Scoot Henderson and how he can be really, really special, right? And you have Wimbiyama who's going to probably go one. You have Brandon Miller who's probably going to go two. But then you get to the, the Blazers and you have Scoot Henderson and Legs say what he just said right there, that he can be really, really, really special, like excited about this player. You're in a dilemma if you're the Portland Trailblazers. So do you want to trade, Dame, and you want to start over with those young pieces with Scoot Henderson? There's a lot on their minds right now, a lot, and a lot they got to figure out before tomorrow night fits. Well, and that's part of what I think is interesting with this particular dilemma because I'll go back to Denver. We just saw Denver win a championship with a bunch of guys that have played together for six, seven, eight years, right? Mm-hmm. Continuity for young guys that, that grew together. They grew the majority of their base. Then they sprinkled on some little extras, and bam, all of a sudden, you have a title. You have a championship. If you're Portland, you're looking around saying, by the time Scoot is able to do that for this franchise, Dame will be past his prime. So if you are going in on Scoot, you almost have to. I keep saying Scoot, and I feel like an idiot when I do it. But if you, <laughs> if you go all in on Scoot, you almost have to, at that point, turn around and go out on Dame, not just because that's what Dame wants, but because that may also be the best thing for the roster construction you need to face. Like, you just, at some point, you got to start over and, and hope that you can you build go. what everybody else is building. There you go, and and, and use the collateral that you're going to get from the Damian Lillard trade and what, uh, what other players you, you're able to get. And you have Simons. You have um, Sharp. You also have... If you're at the time, if, if you're going to draft Scoot Henderson, you have those three guys that you can build things around and then add other pieces to the puzzle in the process. But like you just mentioned, the Denver Nuggets are a prime example. It can be done. The Boston Celtics are a prime example, even though they haven't won the NBA championship with that group, that you can get there and have an opportunity to do it. Right. You just got to be willing and you got to be patient to do it. And I don't know if Portland is in that spot or not, but we will know a lot tomorrow when the draft comes along. And I will say not only tomorrow, we'll probably know a lot by Friday and also uh, probably by Monday of next week when it comes to who they pick and what Dame really wants. It's interesting. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. It's interesting to me because the best way to get the player that you need right now to help you win today is to get rid of that third overall pick. In that process, you don't get to reset. In that process, you bring in somebody, and you're going to hope that the one person you're bringing in with Dame is going to be enough to vault you over Denver, no. Sacramento, and it, and it, but it's not Phoenix. Like right, I, I just think at some point the hardest thing for any organization to do in any sport is to look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. 
We're seeing some of this, for example, from a team like the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL. We talked about the fact that the Vikings seem to be just getting rid of talent left and right. At some point, one of the things you have to do as an organization is take a real honest look in the mirror and ask yourself, how far away from a championship are we? And right now, if everything breaks right for the Trailblazers and everything breaks wrong for everybody else, I still don't know that they're the champions. So as much as we're sitting here saying, well, Dame, 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 if I run Portland, maybe the best thing here is to just acknowledge, hey, we can't do anything to make up the gap that we've created. We've got a superstar that's been incredibly loyal that we love that will retire his number, build a statue for him, all those things. But he wants to go win a championship. Let's send him somewhere where he can win a championship. In return, we can get the haul that you know that you will get for Damian Lillard. And we can just start this thing over and start our, our new clock, kind of like they do with quarterback contracts. New clock. We got six years. Let's figure out what we're going to look like for the next six years. I, I, that I, makes I, the most sense. Well, I think that's the, the most logical thing, Fitz, because when I'm looking at these teams in the West, the Denver Nuggets aren't going anywhere. The Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, they're on the up and coming. They're on the rise. We can't forget about them. Then you look at Golden State. They're not going anywhere, especially if they re-sign Draymond Green. If the Clippers can even stay healthy, they're a team that I would pick to come out of the West. The Phoenix Suns and what they have in their trio now, along with DeAndre Ayton, if they decide to keep him. The Sacramento Kings took a step forward. Well, we haven't even talked about the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, there are a ton of teams that I think, if the Portland Trail, Trailblazers just get that one other piece that Dane may want, that they're still not coming out of the West. Yeah. It's not happening. If you want to win a championship in today's NBA, you got to have a, two megastars at least, and you have to have depth all around. Dane yep. needs to be looking right now and asking himself, where can I do that, cough Miami? And how can I make that work for me, cough Miami? Like, there aren't very <laughs> many places that have what Dame needs. Who you saying cough? I was like, hold on. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get a physical. What's the doctor cough. telling me to yeah. cough for? Hey, turn your head yeah. hey yeah, well, I mean, turn your head and cough, Miami. Uh, th- there's, there's one way that this all goes. Now, remember, Adrian Wojnarowski, our very own Woj, said this last night on the 6 p.m. Sports Center about what he expects to see from the Trailblazers with the third overall pick. Listen, this is viewed as a three-player draft. They have the third pick, and I think Portland views Scoot Henderson, and if he's indeed there, as a potential all-star player. Uh, and so while they would love to continue to add veteran talent around Damon Lillard, uh, they'll continue to try to scour the league in trade talks to see if they can do something really big. I think Portland understands the value of that pick uh, it would take a lot to trade a trade out of it. Now, really quick, if Portland decides to trade Dame to Miami, if I'm Portland, I need Tyler Hero. Also, I need Caleb Martin in that deal, along with some other things. Yep. And then you just build around that that young nucleus. Uh, uh, that actually makes sense. I think we'd be sitting here on the dot com the day after giving that trade A's on both sides because we understand where both sides of that are coming from. Speaking of the Heat and maybe acquiring Dame, let's not forget the Heat were just in the NBA Finals. They might turn around and get the biggest star in the league that could move anywhere. And through all of that, it could create mass chaos for two of the biggest franchises on the Eastern Conference. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, 
Who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft, tomorrow at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Devin putting together our summer playlist. It's the first day of summer. I prove this. We were having a question in the break. Does this count as a summer song? But there's a certain era of song that I just feel like makes me think that I'm sitting by the pool having a drink. And like all generations are sitting there sipping on a cocktail. I was like, just going to say, like to me, like you're on a boat on a lake and the song's on. You yeah. have a beer in your hand, you know? It's funny you say that. Like the other day, I was having this conversation with my wife because I was listening to a bunch of Tom Petty in the car, mm. and I turned Ooh. and I said, "Tom Petty is like a, a uh, an artist and a and his band. I only really listen in the summertime because Tom Petty, I just I just think summer. So I, I see where Devin's at. Yeah, there's a whole uh, you know like the the phenomenons on FM radio of Jack FM that a lot of cities have where it's just like the the generic playlist of adult contemporary like summer sort of music. I, I don't know why but when the when summer hits I, the, that's what I want like songs from the weird well, songs does, from the why 60s does it just have to be a beer like why can't it be like you know oh like I'm just you know, no, no, I'm no, describing no. my perfect scenario Harry, you know, let's be beer clear. makes some people feel bloated I I say beer not, no but, one in particular just makes some people feel bloated <laughs> I I don't like beer I've never liked beer I'm not a beer drinker. And I, I, the funny thing is I always just say beer because it's far easier than saying like, you know, whatever. Like, uh, I mean, come on. If I sit here and say, I'm going to have an espresso martini on a boat. Like, I feel I feel bougie in that sense, Harry. You know, like, mm. I, I am not, I'm not a beer drinker at all. A I, seltzer on a boat sounds good to me, too. Uh, seltzer, like, I went through the seltzer phase for a second, and then it was like, ah, I'm just not, I, I don't what know. About, what about wine? Are you all wine, wine people? I'm not I love wine. I love red wine. I like wine, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big wine guy. Like, I am finding, as I get, like, as shockingly to me, uh, considering there was a period in my life where I drank a bottle of Jack a day, I'm just not a big alcohol guy. Like, I, as I've gotten older, I, I could take it or leave it. I like going someplace that makes a really fancy cocktail that takes a long time and you're watching somebody with the art of the cocktail, and then I set, like, inevitably, I suck that thing down on, like, three <laughs> sips, and I'm like, oh, oh it's like there we go. bucks for that. Two o'clock hour. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I, like, Harry, like, I know you, you are a big but fan no, of but, fancy but, but, tequila. But but I know I understand what you're saying because normally I drink everything straight, and you know me and my wife we do our date nights every week, and I think the last like three or four that we've had, you know I've been trying like different mixed drinks. But the reason why I don't like like sugary drinks though because like it hurts my stomach. But I've been trying them lately, and I ran into a couple of good ones actually. Like I whatever the big trend is, whether it's an espresso martini or an old fashioned, I usually go for those sorts of things. The, what I've realized though is when I'm going out to a bar, if I'm just gonna order a tequila and soda. I could have made that at home. So why am I paying like 12 bucks? That's a good point. Inherently cheap on this. Like, so I, I'm not a big, Evan and Devin are big beer guys. I'm not a big beer guy. So that explains yeah. their bellies too. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, Devin has lost, uh, Devin's Slim, lost slimming 10 down here. Uh, Devin looks good. Like Devin right now is out there, out there with that summer body. He's got that noon body right now. It's, it looks good. It looks. Uh, okay, Dev. I mean, yeah, Devin out there doing the work. Evan? Uh, Evan, where are we on our, where, where are we on our, our, our diet plan? Yeah. Had a little bit of a setback with vacation. <laughs> Getting back on. <laughs> Anytime a diet conversation starts with a, well, 
<laughs> setback. You know, things have gone weird. Uh, things are going weird all over the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Uh, and, and really, it's in the sense of what you're trying to accomplish. Because Zach Lowe, ESPN senior NBA writer on the Low Post podcast, one of our best and uh, most popular podcasts at ESPN, made it clear about what he is hearing and expects from James Harden and the 76ers. When I was at the Combine in Chicago, Doc Rivers got fired. There was already buzz going around that that had flipped, not flipped, but changed the equation in James Harden's calculus about like, well, maybe pump the brakes a little bit on the Houston thing. The brakes have now been pumped, like slammed on around the league to the point that I bet if you pulled 50 front office executives, a majority of them would guess he's going back to Philly. Oh, well, here's the thing for me. When it comes to the 76ers, um, I think point guard play is very vital. But within that point guard play, I think being consistent is also important. That's just something with James Harden when it comes to playoff time, right, that you don't get with him. Because you can have the 40-point night and he win you a basketball game. But he can also be the reason why you lose basketball games, too, in which we've seen two against the Boston Celtics. So it may have been more than that. He can be the reason that you don't advance to the next round, in which the Philadelphia 76ers, since Allen Iverson left there, have been stuck on this second round trend that they're trying to get out of and at least make a conference finals so they can have the opportunity to go to an NBA final. Consistency is the key, and that's just not what they're getting from James Harden when it comes to the playoffs. The hard part, because you're right, Harry, everything you just said is spot on. The hard part is, what are you doing about it? Right, like for Philadelphia, I I don't know the answer sometimes. And and one thing that we've talked so much about in the NBA culture is like, what's the the objective? Is the objective to win a champion? I think for some teams, the objective is just to be relevant. They just don't want to be terrible. So they'll they'll live in the middle of mediocrity just to make sure that... God, that burns me up inside too. I, (laughs) I, I, I agree, but like if you're looking around in your Philly... I mean, no. Uh, to me, bringing Harden back isn't going to make Philly a championship team. Let me be clear about that. But if not, then what? Right? That's the, that's the hardest part. Like, we're sitting here saying, for the Trailblazers, you got to start all the way over. If you're Philly, man, you're too good to start all the way over. But, man, you just can't keep running in a circle with this. Sometimes you just got to make change or you got to figure out a better way to get through to Harden. But nobody's been able to do that. Well, I'll tell you this. Let them have issues this season. Right? Even after the coaching change. And you have some of the same things that leak in the last two years that happens this season coming up. Don't be surprised if Joel Embiid starts to make some noise about he wants to get out of Philly. No, oh, then you're Don't screwed. Don't be surprised. Then you are just like, at that point, you are just up a creek. And this is part of what organizations also have to be aware of. When you have one of the elites, you better make sure, like, there is 0% chance, in my mind, that anything that has happened in Milwaukee over the course of the last couple of months hasn't gone straight across the desk of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Because the one thing you can't have happen is Giannis come in one day and say, I feel like I don't have a chance here anymore. I just want to go somewhere else. Then you are done. Like, you go from being Milwaukee every year, at least a contender, to Milwaukee, oh yeah, they do have the Bucks. That's how far off you fall when you lose Giannis. So as an organization, you better be damn sure every year you're figuring out how to get that done. That's just easier said than done because as we've talked about so much, it feels like the talent across the NBA spread out. It's harder than ever to just say, this is how you win. But but let me ask you this, though, Fitz. If the Philadelphia 76ers don't make it to a conference finals, or even if they get to a conference finals, and then what happened this year happens in the conference finals, and then they change their coach, 
Do you think Joel Embiid's gonna feel some type of way because that coach they just fired is it, it, Joel Embiid was vouching for? Yeah, uh, you're right. And this is the risk. This is a roll of the dice that made no sense to me. At, at some point, Daryl Morey deciding he was the smartest guy in the room. I'm not sure that's always the best approach because, as you and I've said a million times. Stars are much harder to replace than anybody else in an organization. The East is going to be wild next year because these teams are good, but they're also frustrated. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. For all the talk about the GOAT in the NBA, there doesn't seem to be any debate about who the GOAT is in the NFL or is there? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason and Harry hot on. So hot. So hot. And what are they cool on? It's in or out. Are you in or out? On Fitz and Harry. It's in or out on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. So there's an article out there on ESPN.com that is giving us goats. We got the sound effect, Devin? Want to try that again? It's giving us goats. <laughs> so we figured that we would do a little bit of goat talk, thanks to the great Bill Barnwell, who, I, I'm going to be honest, you know we love Bill, but the last couple articles, we've had some issues with it. So here's the premise of In or Out. Bill gave us the existing goat and the active player currently in the league most likely to catch the goat. So, Evan, producer extraordinaire, you'll give us the position of the players and we'll figure out are we in or out that this new person can catch the existing person? All right. I'm confused. Let's try are this. You? Though. Well, are you confused? Or, like, you want to set it up differently? No. Okay. I'm just confused. I think he's just in saying general. in general, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair. Okay. So, for example, Evan, since you're confused, we'll go to the quarterback position. Who's the goat? Who's the current player in Canada? We got this. The current goat is Tom Brady. And Bill says the guy who can catch him is Patrick Mahomes. Are you in or out on Mahomes catching Brady? Woo! I'm in on this one. Now, when you mean catching, I'm not saying seven Super Bowls. I'm saying if a guy like Patrick Mahomes can win four Super Bowls, then he will be considered the GOAT. You look at the numbers the last five years since he's been a starting quarterback in the National Football League, three Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl wins. He has an MVP, threw 50 touchdowns in a season. He's just phenomenal across the board. Has been in the AFC Championship game every single year. He has been a starter. So I think if anyone is going to succeed, Tom Brady as being the GOAT, it's the one and only Patrick Mahomes. Not only do I agree with you, I think Patrick Mahomes will eventually catch Brady. And there's one other part of that that you didn't mention. Uh, this shouldn't be a factor, but I can't control the world. Likeability. People yeah. freaking love Patrick Mahomes. All the way across the board. I'm a Raiders fan. And even as a Raiders fan, I sit there and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, guy's funny. 
does things that we've never seen. Like he passes the eye test the way he plays the game. Like it looks impressive the way he plays the game. All of these things are factors. So uh, between the eye test and the way it looks, between the fact that he's doing things we've never seen before, be- between the fact that he's a living video game, between the fact that he looks so damn athletic, and then between the fact that everybody loves him, he's going to be the GOAT. So I'm in on Mahomes catching Brady. I'm also in on some technical difficulties. Check one, two. We got you, Harry. We good? Every, every... Yep. Okay, great. All right. Uh, Evan, what do you got next? Yeah, so the Kurd go to wide receiver, Bill says, is Jerry Rice. He played for the 49ers, Fitz, in case you forgot. He also played for the Raiders. He says the guy who has a chance to catch him is Justin Jefferson. So, Harry, in or out, Justin Jefferson catching Jerry Rice. I'm out on this one. And the reason why I'm out on it, um, Evan, Devin, and Fitz, is because Jerry Rice has Super Bowl rings attached to that as well. And the way he played the game, he wasn't the fastest, he wasn't the strongest, but he was the most consistent. Not saying that Justin Jefferson isn't consistent, but when you talk about winning at a very, very high level, guys defensively knowing what you're going to run, but your route running is so remarkable that it doesn't matter. And he wasn't a first-round draft pick either. I, I or think, was he? No, no, no. No, no, no he wasn't. Um, I'll say this. You're wide receiver one, so I'm not going to disagree with you anyway. But the other part of it is just – We've become almost uh, desensitized to greatness at the wide receiver position because the numbers now are so electric and there are so many great ones. What Jerry Rice did in that era stood above so much of what we've ever seen. I don't think anybody can catch Jerry Rice. I think he's always going to be uh, – he's always going to live on that that pedestal by himself. We're doing a oh, little in or out. Uh, Future Hall – go ahead. Sorry, Harry? Yeah, yeah. Negate that last part. He was a first-round draft pick. Was he a first-round? I thought yeah. he was. Okay, yeah. there we go. 16th I, overall. Look at that. Uh, you you were right. I am absolutely wrong. The game here is in or out. Uh, we're figuring out by position who the current GOAT is and is there an active player that can catch them based on the Bill Barnwell article on ESPN. Evan, what position do we have next? Tight end. Current GOAT, apparently Tony Gonzalez, the active player who can catch him. Another chief tight end, Travis Kelsey. Harry, in or out, Travis Kelsey catching Tony Gonzalez. This is tough for me because my locker was right beside Tony Gonzalez when we practiced at the practice facility and also when we were in the locker room for games, and I learned so much from Tony. But I'm actually in on this one because Travis Kelsey is unguardable. Everyone knows Travis Kelsey is getting the football, but still no one knows how to stop and shut down Travis Kelsey. He also is a guy who has two Super Bowl rings under his belt. He's been to three of those, but the consistency part. And watching Tony Gonzalez play, all you had to do was put the ball near him. He's literally the epitome of 7-Eleven. Well, damn, Travis Kelsey is the same. All you got to do is put the ball around him, and he's going to be butt-naked open because he's routed up not only a linebacker, not only a safety, he's routing up DBs, number one corners as well. So I'm going with in on this one. I think what's interesting about Kelsey is that he's 33 and not slowing down, right? Like that's the the interesting part about it. So, um, yeah, I'm in on it. I think – when you look at the way he played, even last year, 110 catches, my God, for 1338. But the fact that every other year, the last, uh, what, six years, he's had 100 catches or more. The least he's ever had in any season in his career was his first season at 67 catches, right? Uh, when you look at his target numbers, they're only going up and up and up. I, I think that he's going to continue to put up video game numbers on a team that continues to win Super Bowls. So I could see him playing another couple of years, getting another couple of Super Bowls and being the GOAT. So, yeah, I'm in on on uh, Kelsey. Hurts how, my heart. 
How about Edge Rusher? He says the current GOAT is Lawrence Taylor. I agree, if you want to my opinion. He says Micah Parsons is the active player who can catch him. Harry, in or out on Micah Parsons catching Lawrence Taylor as the greatest pass rusher ever? Um, I'm not going to disrespect Lawrence Taylor like this. I'm going to say out. You talk about someone who put fear in people when he walked around them. That was Lawrence Taylor. We all know how Bill Belichick feels about Lawrence Taylor, and we have the utmost respect for Bill Belichick. So I'm going to go out on this one. Yeah, I'm out on this one too. And it's not because Micah Parsons isn't spectacular. I, I mean, I obviously in the sack numbers are just through the roof, but it just feels like the – I don't know, the way we talk about Lawrence Taylor, again, I'll go back to the dominance of the era, right? We've seen several pass rushers put up some good numbers for a few years. Lawrence Taylor was just seen different. Maybe it's because I was a kid uh, when he was dominating that way, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm out on that one. You got, you got one more for us? Yeah. Um, let's do kick returner. He says the current GOAT is an active player. So in or out that Cordell Patterson is the current and active GOAT. Add kick returner. So me personally, I'm going to go returner, period. Um, I have a relationship with Mr. Patterson. I've also played with the great Devin Hester. So I'm going to go with Devin Hester in that category. Um, And Patterson having an opportunity to surpass him. I don't think he's there yet, but, but Hess did it. On kick returns and punt returns. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised that it wasn't Devin Hester. Like, uh, there's been a real conversation about the Hall of Fame, like the conversation yep. around Devin Hester because the way he changed the game. I, I, I think it's it's nice to say, you know, tell him about how you met Devin. You met Hester. Oh yeah, no, that's true. We were standing in Atlanta for the college football playoff, uh, hanging out, and all of a sudden Devin Hester comes up, being super polite, just because we were standing there with Harry Douglas, and you know, Devin wanted to say, hey, you know, I mean. Uh, I, by the way, uh, yeah, Devin Hester to me, like if you lived an entire era of the NFL, you were afraid of kicking off. You were afraid of the ball touching Devin Hester's hands at all, ever for any possible reason. I don't think Cordero uh, Patterson is there. Let, let me say this really quick because, see, I played against Hess in the National Football League, but I also played against him my freshman year in college, and our punter had one job. One job. Don't kick the damn ball to Devin Hester. Miami, I think, was ranking the number one or number two in the country. We were going to beat him, beat them. But our punter kicked it right down the middle, and guess what happened, Fitz? Mm. Devin Hester ran it back, and he sat our punter, crisscross applesauce in the middle of the football field. Oh, that's goat work. Speaking of goats, is tomorrow the start of the next NBA goats career? That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft, tomorrow at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Tomorrow night, the NBA Draft. All eyes will be on Victor Wembenyama, the first overall pick. Now, we'll have plenty to say about Victor, somebody that they are already praising at levels, frankly, I don't remember ever seeing. 
But he's not the only curious part of the beginning of the draft. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're also taking a long, hard look at what to expect regarding Damian Lillard, something we've talked a lot about on this show. This is breaking. All right, ESPN senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski was just on the Pat McAfee show. And he had this to say about what the Heat are likely to be doing this offseason. Actually, yes, we have that, and we will let it go. They're going to be very anxious to watch what happens in Portland to see if there's any point this summer where Damian Lillard becomes available. He's not available now. He says he wants to be in Portland, and the Blazers have shut down anybody who's called about the possibility of trying to trade for him. Uh, but certainly, Pat Riley is always going to be real aggressive in trying to improve his team. Uh, listen, they want to make that last step. I'm sure they're going to be continue to be real active this summer. So the important part of that, Harry, that we just heard Woj say is that the Blazers have shut down all the calls around Damian Lillard. As of right now, it sounds like they are cemented on not moving him and looking at this pick. Well, that's huge for, I think, both teams, for the Portland Trail Blazers and also the Miami Heat because I remember now the Miami Heat, point guard-wise, their point guard is a free agent in Kate Vincent. And I know you're not going to put Kyle Lowry back in that role. So now it, it, it when, when they're looking at things and free agency is coming up, do we hurry up and sign Kate Vincent or do we wait to see what, you know, what the Trail Blazers and Damian Lillard is going to do? Um, for the Blazers, I think it's looking like they're saying right now, okay, we're rocking with our guys. Live with it and so be it. It's interesting to me because if you're telling me that the Blazers are shutting down all conversation about Dame, then that tells me that the Blazers are trying to figure out how to move the third overall pick. It's got to be. All of this has to be about trying to create more value for Scoot Henderson, right? Like, in my mind, the only thing that makes sense if you're going to keep Dame, that because the best time to trade him, it, to me, is going to be right now, in this instance. Get everything you can today. Could help you in the draft. You could have more assets. You're going to move around, right? So if you're going to keep Dame, if you're not even going to take calls about Dame, then, man, are you not taking calls about the third overall pick? You have to be, right? If you're Portland, there has to be a game plan because keeping Dame and picking Scoot with the third overall pick is not going to keep anybody happy, and it's going to keep your team right there in the middle of mediocrity, as we talked about before. Harry, that doesn't make you better. But also, you might upset Damian Lillard in the effects of doing that as well. And we all know from the history of the NBA, especially the last, what, seven to ten years, that when these uh, superstar players are disgruntled and they want something they really want, they end up getting what they really want. Yeah. I mean, all of this, there has to be some real conversation that's happening behind the scenes with Dame. I have to Man, believe You know that. what? Do I need to call Mr. Billups? I mean, yeah. Do I, need to, do I need to get him on this phone? Let me call <laughs> Mr. Billups and figure out what's going on there. I still talk to his cousin, live up in New York. You know, him and my brother had a great relationship, you, Tonsi. Uh, do I need to get Mr. Billups on the line? Can we just acknowledge this is like, uh, this is what wildly successful people have great phone books. I do believe that. But the, the most <laughs> interesting, and I've, I've said for a long time, the number one commodity I think I have in my life a lot of, a lot of times are the relationships that I've made. I, I care a lot about people, you know that, and I immensely invest in people in relationships you also know that so to me part of the, the the power i always carry in my life is that i can try and help connect this person to that person and this person to that person i'm proud of that i feel really good about that 
the thing that blows my mind is that Harry Douglas has a family member that knows a family member or knows a family member of abs- <laughs> absolutely. Like, I'm I'm out here. I'm the epitome of a workhorse, right? Like, I'm out here uh, getting, you know, I get somebody's phone number and I'll text them and be like, hey, just thinking of you. And I'm like investing in like, what are their kids' names and how can I get to know them? And like, I want to, I want them to understand I'm investing. Harry's just like, shows up at the barbecue and he's like, look, I, my cousin knows this person's cousin knows this person that knows Robert Kraft. So if but, you want Robert Kraft, I mean, it's just how it works. Let me, let me tell you something I learned at a seminar, man, and it really resonated with me and stuck with me since that day. And it was probably about f- five or six years ago. They basically talked about it's okay for you to know people, and it's a great thing for you to know people, but it's built up to another level when those people know you. That's <laughs> fair. So That's like it's, it's great to know A, B, C, and D, but when those people know you as well, it makes it that much better. It's only funny. We're off on our total tangent here, but it's only funny to me because my uh, I've always been a, a go-between. So it's amazing how often somebody in sports will reach out to me wanting tickets to you know a Taylor Swift concert, but then somebody in country will reach out to me wanting tickets to a Georgia football game. And all throughout this whole journey, I've always, I've just sort of been a facilitator. Hey, let me introduce you to this person and this person. You guys should get to know each other. Hopefully tickets take place and people make memories. By just trying to be nice to everybody and help everybody uh, create a network, basically, that, that's been a key for me. It's changed my life. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, all of this conversation about Dame is going to come down to at some point, the, the Blazers have to have a plan. And they have to have a plan that Dame's in on because if they go in tomorrow night and he's not well-informed on exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it, they're just going to piss him off and he's going to want to leave. He's got to be involved in this whole process. That's why, to me, it's shocking that right now they have shut down every trade call regarding Dame. Well, I'll tell you this. Tomorrow night is going to be exciting, not only for guys getting drafted, but to see a lot of uh, different directions that that these teams probably want to go in. And also the trade aspect of players that they already have on their rosters and what they want to do in those regards. That's another reason why I'm looking forward to the draft tomorrow night. That's all on top of somebody that we're going to break down for you a lot tomorrow that they are saying is the best prospect, not since LeBron, but the best prospect ever. Who? The NBA has ever seen. Victor Wembenyama will be the first overall pick, and I'm not sure any pick in the history of sports will come in with more pressure then he will. We'll break that down all day tomorrow. Candy and Carlin coming up. They'll keep breaking down all the breaking news today. Thanks for listening to Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.